Open your Bibles to the Gospel according to John chapter 15. Gospel according to John chapter 15, verses 7 and 8. I want us just to read two verses this morning and come back again uh, to verse 7 because I didn't get a chance to finish last Lord's Day. And so we'll have some review, uh, which is what I normally do anyway, and then pick up in the middle of verse 7 and then come to verse 8 if God gives us enough time to do so. John 15, verse 7, we read, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein. In this, herein, is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Chapter 14 begins the ministry of our Lord's teaching his disciples. And in that chapter, he taught them about faith. He taught them about love. He taught them about obedience and then instructed them concerning the necessity of the Holy Spirit being with them and in them so that they could live out their Christian life. Chapter 15 opens with our Lord instructing his disciples on the necessity of a spiritual union with him and that that union is revealed in the bearing of fruit. The necessity of being united with Christ and that union being revealed in the bearing of fruit. He teaches the necessity of a spiritual union with a living God and with the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he uses that illustration of a vine and branches. And in that opening, those opening verses, we saw that there are two kinds of people that... that seek to join themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who truly repent and truly believe the gospel message, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to the saving of their souls. They're joined with Christ and Christ is joined with them. But there's a second group of those who seek by religion to live out the Christian life, adding the name of Jesus to it. John 15 opens with our Lord teaching that there is only one true relationship with Him. And that relationship with Him results in a life that brings forth spiritual fruit. He says, abide in me. Last week we learned that we had a personal responsibility to abide in our Savior. And though we are already spiritually clean, and though we are spiritually secure because our Savior has saved us, yet we have a personal responsibility to be actively involved in maintaining a vital connection to Jesus Christ, abiding in Him. True Christianity produces in us a desire to remain close to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We may wander, turn to the right and to the left, but we cannot stay gone for long. We must get back 
to our Lord, to our Savior, Jesus Christ. As Christians, our life is expressed as one that continues to exercise faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Daily trusting Him, daily seeking Him, resting in Him to do for us and be for us what He has said He would do for us and what He said He would be for us in His Word. Abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ means that we live a life of faith, continuing to trust Him, continuing to trust that He loves us, continuing to trust that what He has promised us is true about us. We are stead to steadfastly hold on to Him and to steadfastly hold on to His Word. Abiding in Christ then ensures that we will bring forth fruit to the glory of of our God. The second thing we looked at last week was, and my words abide in you. The English word and connects these two thoughts, abide in me and my words abide in you. Connecting them so that they are together, so that they are inseparably bound together, so that if you have one, you have the other. The true Christian is brought into a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ through His Word. It begins there. God using His Word to birth you into His kingdom of His own will. We, he begat us with the tr- Word of Truth, James tells us in James 1.18. No one is ever converted to the Lord Jesus Christ unless they are converted with the Word of God, either in a preaching or in a, in a track or somewhere, the Word of God is present or has been present and brought to mind in their life. God uses His Word to save them from their sins. We also learn that we cannot learn of God. We cannot live our Christian life. We cannot know our God. We cannot know our Savior without His Word. Last week we Discuss the fact that we don't know anything about Christianity unless God shows it to us in His Word. And we don't know how to live as a Christian without the Word of God showing us how to live as a Christian. And we don't know what to believe about God. We don't know to believe about anything relating to God or His Word um, or His Christianity without the Word of God. And so we took, taught four things necessary for the Word of God being part of our life last week. First was reading it. It becomes necessary for us to read it. Secondly, it becomes necessary and very important for us to memorize it. Thirdly, it becomes necessary for us to meditate on it. If the Word of God is abiding in us, then we're thinking about it, mulling it over, considering it, thinking on what does He mean And how does this affect my life? And then fourthly, that brings us to how does this affect my life? Using it. This is what I need to be doing. This is is how this uh, affects my life. This This is the steps I'm supposed to be walking in. But not only me, but then sharing it, giving it out. As you share the Word of God and give it out, God gives you more. And then you give it out and God gives you more. Last week I showed from the scriptures. So that brings me to the second point, and that is this. Abiding in Christ and His Word, abiding in you, ensures 
that we will bring forth glory, fruit to the glory of our God. And that brings us to the second part of verse 7. It starts out, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, and then says, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. You shall ask what you will. There are many texts like this in the Word of God. Many texts throughout the Word of God that speak the same exact truth that is right here before us. Many of them in John's writings. We've already looked at John 14, verse 13. We will look at John 15, verse 16, and John 16, and verse 23. And by the way, I'm going to open up all of these verses in just a minute. And 1 John 3, 22, and 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. We'll look at those verses in just a few minutes. But let me say something first, sort of setting the stage as we open up verses like this. When we read or when we hear others speaking of verses like this that is before us this morning, two things are always true about those who express these kind of verses, okay? The first is this, that many people will take verses like this and twist the Word of God and use verses like this to teach that God is ready to do anything we want Him to do Anytime we want him to do it. Take a verse like this and come out with this. God is ready to do anything I want him to do anytime I want him to do it. That's simply not true. And the rest of the scriptures will bear that out. If we reread the previous seven verses that I mentioned, we will not see anything like that expressed in them. In fact, nowhere in the Bible will you find such a sentiment or such a teaching. But the second response is this. Those who rightly understand the Word of God use the exact same promises, understand the exact same verses to be promises from God, but kept within the context of what God is saying, and secondly, seeking to bring glory to God in laying hold on those promises. These two things, keep the promise in the context, and seeking to glorify God in laying hold on the promises. Each of the seven verses that I mentioned Connect the promise of God to a condition. Each is a blessed promise given to help, given by God to help His children to live out their life on this earth. It is a true promise. The words are true, but they are all of them connected to a condition. And we want to look at that this morning. So, though I've already taught on it, go back to John 14 and verse 13. John 14 and verse 13. In John 14 and verse 13 we read, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
this verse connects God's promise to do whatsoever we ask of Him to be to God being glorified in the answer. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. This verse connects God's promise to God being glorified. God's promise to do whatever we ask as long as in the answer God may be glorified. Well, wouldn't God be glorified in giving me a nice, brand new, shiny 2020 Tahoe? Well, he might be, but he might not be. Well, how am I to know? Well, then you, the answer to that question is, you leave God's glory to God determining what will bring him glory. And not what you determine will bring God, God glory. Let me say that one more time because as this develops this morning, that definition becomes critical. You leave God's glory to God determining what will bring Him glory and not you determining what will bring Him glory. If the answer of a prayer that you are praying will bring God's glory, God glory in it, He will answer it in a way that we desire. That is true from the Scriptures. I have had many answered prayers in my walk with God over the last 40 plus years. I can point back to many of them and tell you this is what I prayed and this is when God answered it. In answering my prayers, God did so to bring Himself glory. He did not bring the answer to my prayer to bring me glory, to exalt me, to have me stand before men and have men say, Oh, and all, Brother Pat gets answers to prayers. Will you pray for me? Because you get answers for, from God for prayers. No, that is not the purpose of God. The purpose is that God would get glory for himself in it. If the answer of a prayer will not bring God glory, he will not answer it in the way that we desire. He will only answer it according to His will so that He is glorified in it. So that He gets the glory from it. So that men and women and children see what God has done and their eyes lift up to God. Oh, what a great and glorious God He is in doing this for you. We see this throughout the scriptures. Go to 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20. 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20. I had this ongoing argument with a man many, many years ago oh, that as a Christian I could lay hold on the promises of God in the Old Testament that apply to Christians. 
And he said to me, there are no promises in the Old Testament that apply to Christians. They're all for Israel. And I argued and argued and back and forth we went. And finally the Lord put this verse in my heart. And I set this verse before him. And that was the end of the conversation. We never talked about it again. Although he continued to hold his same opinion. 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20. What does it say? For all the promises of God in Him, in Christ, all the promises of God in Him, in God, are yea and in Him, amen. And for the purpose of this morning's message, unto the glory of God by us. All the promises of God from Genesis to the book of the Revelation as you're reading and God brings out a promise and that promise has a spiritual implication to you in the Old Testament and a statement of truth in the New Testament. All the promises of God are yea and amen are true and real in Jesus Christ. Unto the glory of God by us. God, here is a promise. God, this is my need. This promise, this promise meets my need. I am asking on the authority of your word that you would give me this. If it brings glory to God, it will be done. If it does not bring glory to God, something else will be done. God will answer it. You do realize, don't you, that there are always three answers to prayer. Yes. Wait. No. Always. Lord, I want this. No. Okay. Lord, I want this. Yes. You got it. Good. Praise the Lord. Lord, I want this. Wait. Wait. That's the hardest one, isn't it? No is hard. Because we think we know what's right and what's good and what God would want for us. And God says no and is not right and good and not what God wants. But all the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus unto the glory of God. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 through 29. Because it teaches us something about how God works, not only in salvation as this text is dealing with, but how God works generally among mankind and generally among Christians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 reads, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, in things which are not, 
to bring to naught, bring to nothing things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. This is true of God saving a sinner coming out of pagan religions, coming out of established religions. God confounds the wise. God takes the strong and mighty in their own minds. God takes the men with letters who don't know the word of God and God confounds them all. And God saves the simple, the weak, the frail, the base things of the world. But he does it so no flesh can glory in his presence. When God is glorified in inaction, when God is glorified in salvation, when God is glorified in answering a prayer, you may be sure of this one thing. Men do not share in his glory. When a man is preaching and desires to gain the glory in that preaching, when a man does an act that he calls a miracle to, in order to gain the glory in that action, you can be sure that it is not God. It is not God. A man who is a man of God, who understands the truth of God, who understands the scriptures of God, seeks to do what he does that God may be glorified seeks to minimize himself and exalt the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father in heaven. Christians seek good works so that their Father in heaven would be glorified. True Christianity is about glorifying God for what he's done in our life. It's about God, not about us. That's the focus of it. A dear friend of mine, Gordon Bailey, is off to glory now, walking the street of gold. He preached for years in our church in the south side of San Antonio. He said, God is looking for a man who will not rob him of his glory when he does something. God is looking for a man with whom he can share his blessings and get the glory from it. God is looking for a church with whom he could pour out his blessings upon, to whom he could pour his blessings upon, so that he is glorified. Not the preacher or the congregation or the song leader. Not that. But he is glorified. Then men walk in and say of a truth, God is in this place. Men show up and say of a truth, God is in that word. Men show up and say of a truth, God has answered prayer. God gets the glory. My prayers, my desires, is God get the glory. We see this also in the action of the saints. I'm going to draw out just one uh, text for us to see this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 beginning in verse 9. 2 Corinthians 12.9. Not beginning in verse 9. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, He said unto me, God 
said to me, the Apostle Paul is praying. He's asked God three times to relieve him of this affliction. Take this away. I want to be free to be able to serve you without this affliction. I want to be free to be able to do this without these hindrances, this physical hindrance. And God said, no. And then God said, verse 29, And he, God, said unto me, the Apostle Paul, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, Paul says, therefore most gladly will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What do we see here in the Apostle Paul? The answer is no, I will not heal you of this affliction. I will not take this away from you. Instead, I want you to learn my grace is sufficient in the midst of this. I want you to learn that being weak is not necessarily a problem in Christianity because I can do something with a man like that. In this text, answers to our believing prayer is connected with abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word abiding in us to the point where when God says no, we say, okay, to thy name be the glory. You be glorified in this. If you will get more glory out of me being weak and sick, then I'm going to stop asking and I'm going to start functioning as a Christian as weak and sick, trusting in the grace of God. If you'll be more glorified in me being poor, then I'm going to stop asking and I'm going to serve God in my poverty. If you be more glorified in using me in this frail condition, then I'm going to stop asking and I am going to seek to glorify you where I am with what I have in whatever way I can. John 14, 13 focuses on whatever you ask, you have it. If God can be glorified in it. That's the condition. Whatever you ask, you have it. Paul's affliction. Paul's attitude regarding his affliction is that he would rather remain sick and frail if God's grace might be magnified in his life and that his life might bring forth the glory to God and demonstrate God's grace in the life of a child of God. John 15 and verse 16. When we get to chapter 15, we're going to come across this verse. Let's look at it. John 15 and verse 16. You have not chosen me. This is one of those seven verses I read earlier. But I have chosen you and ordained you that you should bring, go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. There it is. There's that promise again. Whatever you ask, he's going to give it. But what is it connected to? 
It's connected to be chosen and ordained to go and to bring forth fruit. It's connected to the servants of God going forth in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, carrying the gospel to the nations to bring forth fruit in the kingdom of God. I'm asking in connection with the gospel ministry, the spread of the gospel in the world. Whatsoever you ask, the Father in my name, he's going to give it to you. As you are going, as you are preaching, as you are declaring the gospel message. This is not only a promise to the apostles in those days, but it's a promise to every God-called man. It's a promise to every God-ordained church that has been commissioned to take the gospel into the world that looks for fruit in its ministry. Ask. Ask what? Ask in relation to carrying out the gospel message. Do we need laborers? Yes. Ask. We prayed for four years on the south side of San Antonio before God raised up the first man that we could send out. Four years in prayer meetings, publicly praying, God, give us laborers. Give us laborers. And then one from Mexico and, and then from India and others came along and God began to push out people because that's what happens. You, you understand that, right? And God builds a church and then gives laborers. God begins to push them out, thrust them forward. And we give up what God has given. John 16 and verse 23. John 16 and verse 23. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Here it is again, whatsoever you ask, he's going to give it. But what is the condition in my name? These verses, or this verse connects God's promise to answer whatsoever we ask of him. If we're asking in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean to ask in his name? What does it mean to ask in Jesus' name? Sometimes we pray and at the end in Jesus' name we ask it. That's not what he's saying. But it is to, to ask according to the very character, the person, and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has come to earth. God manifest in the flesh. We have his life before us in the scriptures, in the gospels particularly. We can learn how he walked, how he prayed, how he talked to people. We learn his doctrine. We learn his life. And we can ask in his name when we know something about him. When we know what he would ask for. How he would ask the Father. How he would approach the Father. How what he would ask the Father for. It is to ask in the same manner as Jesus would ask. It is not tacking on in Jesus' name at the end of the prayer, but to think about what I'm asking. Would the Lord Jesus Christ be asking this for me? To ask in Jesus' name is to ask 
connecting the person of Christ and his actions to what I'm asking. And that is very broad, brethren. That is very broad. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3, the same writer, this time in his first epistle. 1 John 3 and verse 22. 1 John 3 and verse 22. Here he says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Comma. There's not a period there. But more is coming. 1 John 3, 22. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. In this verse, or this verse connects God's promise to do whatsoever we ask of Him to our obedience because we keep His commandments, because something in our heart wants to do the will of God, because inside, it's not talking about perfect obedience, by the way, but inside is this desire to do what God has told us to do, because inside is this desire to know the Word of God so that we can do it, not just to read it or think about it and to look at it, but to do it to read it and think about it so we can do it, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And there's no perfection in that. We know that. I've laid out that foundation for us. You should know from the scriptures and from personal experience that's not what he's talking about here. But what he's dealing with here is that heart that wants to do the will of God. And that heart that wants to do the will of God asks and receives because it is doing the will of God and therefore it's asking within the realm of what the will of God is this is your will and I want to do it how many times as a young Christian father this is your will I want to do it you have said husbands love your wives this is what you have said I want to do it Help me. I don't even know what it means to love as Christ loved the church. Teach me so I can do it. God answers prayers like that. God answers stuff like that. We want to obey. We want to do the will of God. We want to. Sinner, take note on this. God has said repent and believe. This is what he has said. This is what he's commanded. Is there something in your heart that says, I want to, I desire to be saved? Then go to the Father in heaven and ask him. I don't even understand what it means. I don't even know what salvation is. But help me. Teach me. I've told you this story before. My wife and I, you know, we, we left our, 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 our Catholicism because we'd studied enough Scripture to know that that wasn't what we should be doing. And then we went into Mormonism for a while and we left that because we studied enough Scriptures to know that that too was wrong. But kneeling down in the living room floor on our in our house on the south side of San Antonio, God, we know this is wrong because your word says thus and thus. God, we know this is wrong because your word says thus and us, but we have no idea what is true. Teach us the truth. A year later, God saved me through 
Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You want to be a Christian? You want to be a follower of Christ? You want to be a disciple? Ask. So that you desire to be obedient. I need to repent. I need to believe. I don't even know. I don't even understand what that means. Help me. Don't leave me in this condition. Have mercy upon my soul. Ask the thief on the cross, Lord, remember me. What was he doing? He was asking. The leper comes running to Christ, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. What was he doing? He was asking. Ask. But with the desire to be obedient. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and verse 15. As we close out with this last two verses of those seven that I've mentioned. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us and if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have desired of him. I remember when these verses struck me in my heart. Can it be true? Whatever I ask according to his will, I can know I have it. Of course it's true. God said it. This text connects God's promise to do whatsoever we ask of Him to that which is according to His will. Anything revealed in the Word of God to be the will of God may be asked with the understanding that we may gain it. Ask according to His will. How do we know what His will is? His revealed will is here. Now, I know there are times when we're asking questions that we can't find on the page of the Scriptures. Lord, who should I marry? I want to be married. I don't want to marry the wrong person. My wife and I are brokenhearted because we know of a situation right now where the person went contrary to the Word of God and married and, and very shortly realized what a huge mistake I have made. They went contrary to what God had revealed for them to do. Lord, who should I marry? Well, it's, you know, chapter and verse doesn't say John or, or Judy or Sam or Sarah, does it? No. But as you examine the person that you will marry, young people, listen. And you think about the one that's going to be your life partner. What does the scripture say about a good wife? What does the scripture say about a good husband? What does the Word of God say? If they don't meet what is already revealed, why are you praying for that one? If they don't meet what has already been revealed. And so, 
pray. And uh, I was talking to Peter the other day, and he said, uh, Rishai's 27, <laughs> and she wants to get married. I said, I'll pray. I'll pray. That's important. Praying for your life's partner, that's important. What job do I take? Will it take me away from my church? What job will it take? Will it cause me to go contrary to the Word of God? There, there, there are things that we already have set for us. And then, well, this and this is both very good. Well, i got to know, and God will reveal. God will direct your steps. Both work out to be the will of God. Both are shown to be clear from the Scriptures. But which one is the actual will of God for my life? And then God will order your steps. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That's a promise. Is it God's will? Can I go to chapter and verse? That's why reading and memorizing and meditating and using the Word of God becomes so critical. Because that's the, what the verse says. John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. And it shall be done unto you. God's promise to do what we ask in prayer is attached to abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ and abiding in His Word. Asking with the Word of God dwelling in us means that we will ask for things which are in harmony with the revealed will of God as it is found in the Word of God. It is asking with the Word of God as our standard for life and living. That brings glory to God. And it shall be done. And it shall be done. Ask. Whatsoever you ask, as you're abiding in Christ, as the Word of God is abiding in you, whatsoever, it shall be done. There's no hedging on what these words mean. It means what it says. The answer to our believing prayer is directly connected to abiding in Christ and abiding in His Word. And it shall be done. The phrase, what, ask what you will and it shall be done, is equal to asking anything that is consistent with true Christianity. Anything that is consistent with that which is revealed in the Word of God. Anything that is consistent with the character of God and His only begotten Son. When you have prayer requests for men who need work, is that the will of God, by the way, that a man should work? Yes. It is the will of God. And so I can ask with clear conscience, God, brother, so-and-so, Mr. So-and-so needs work. Provide it. And then wait and see, because it's coming. It's coming. Because that's consistent with the scriptures. It's coming. Well, this is, my, this is the kind of work I want. No, 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 no. Work's coming. Well, I would like to do that. Work's coming. 
when I was 12, my daddy took me out in the sun on the weekends and on summertime. He was a painter. In those days, you had a sandpaper on a block of wood and a scraper and the paint coming off the wood house frame and you're scraping and sanding four sides of the house and underneath and it's falling on you and it's 90 degrees in the shade or 105 and you're working I was 12 years old and I'm working and by the time I'm 15 years old I know enough he could go do whatever he was going to do and leave me on the job take care of the thing I didn't like that kind of work. I liked coming home covered with scraped paint, sweating through my clothes five or six times a day, salt in my pants from the sweat. I didn't like that kind of work. But that's the work I had. That's the work I had. And I gladly took it. At 15, I was helping to provide for my home. Ask, it's coming. Ask anything that is consistent with God's mission and purpose on the earth, especially that which is related to the spread of the gospel with regard to the nations. God, we need money to support missionaries. Provide for us. God, we need men. Provide for us. God, we need open doors. Provide for us. Father, we need protection for your servants in difficult places. Provide that for them. Ask anything consistent with God's mission to spread the gospel into the nations. Ask anything consistent with God's kingdom being spread and in relation to God's churches and the needs they have. Ask anything consistent with the person and work of Christ. And Jesus Christ will come back with words like this. I will do what I'm asked with regard to my divine purpose in the salvation of the elect. I'm going to do that. Lord, save this one. I don't need to know whether they're the elect or not. God does. Aren't you afraid you're going to ask God to save someone he doesn't want to save? Are you kidding me? Is your God so small? Is his arm so weak that he cannot save? Is your view of what God can do so small that the world is too big? Ask. God is well able to take care of his business. My business is to ask. I will do what I'm asked, the Lord Jesus Christ would come back and say, with regard to my purpose to see the nations of the world come into a living relationship with my Father so that he is glorified in their salvation. I will do what you ask to see this church Be a light in this dark community. I will do what you ask that my word might impact the hearts of my children so they can grow in grace and knowledge of the living God. I will do what you ask. Often before God, I would say, I don't know how to teach the word of God. Help me. 
so I can teach your people the word of God. Give me the tongue of the learned. That's in Isaiah. So I can help your people. God answers prayers like that. God answers prayers like that. Because that brings God glory. Now that has something to do with his purpose. Mothers, you know how to teach your children? Then ask. Ask. You're standing at the sink washing dishes. Ask for your household, for your children. Ask. And don't give up asking until God brings some sense of answer to your heart. I will do what I am asked with regard to this one great end and purpose that my Father will be glorified in what I do. I will do what I'm asked to care for my sheep on the earth. We sang Isaiah 40, 11 this morning. He shall gather. He shall lead. He shall feed. God. Gather them. Feed them. I'm going to take care of my sheep. He will. He's a good shepherd. What are your needs? He knows what you have need of. Your Heavenly Father does. Is it food or clothing? Is it shoes? Is it a house? He knows what you have need of. If you leave that in the hands of God, it will come to you. It will. He will provide a way for that to be brought in. You know, my, my, my wife went to a thrift store the other day and and it was as many clothes as you can put in a paper bag for five dollars including shoes she, she came home with a two hundred dollar pair of boots that cost a dollar and twenty five cents more than two hundred dollars to pay for that pair of boots she came home with a pair of boots that would have been worth a hundred dollars for a dollar and twenty five cents she came home with a pair of shoes. Maybe they're not the best looking, but they were good shoes for a dollar and twenty-five cents. She bought another pair, and somebody in that family is going to be blessed from it. These were gathered up for this family, and this is for that family. For a dollar twenty-five a pair of shoes, for a bag stacked, packed full. So that it might be distributed to the saints. God does that. God provides. What are your needs? What are they? If it's in the scriptures, God will answer it. If it's comfort, if it's wisdom, if it's strength, if it's food, if it's clothing, if it's an open door, if it's a job, whatever your needs are if it's protection what is it that can be found on the pages of Genesis to Revelation what is it that is in your heart that you need 
God to do something. Ask. If it brings Him glory, it's going to come. If it is according to His will, it's coming. If it does something and purpose for the kingdom of God, it's coming. It's on its way. Ask. And it shall be done under these conditions. But none of the conditions that I've expressed this morning are any hindrances, are they? Not for the child of God. They look at these conditions and they say, Yes, this is my heart. I want my Father to be glorified. This is my heart. I want the kingdom of God spread and the church of God glorified. I want the Son of God exalted. This is my heart. I want the will of God done. This is my heart. I want to obey the will of God. This is my heart. I want the name of Christ exalted in my midst. These things I want. And so none of them are hindrances to me. This is the desire of my heart. And so I'm asking. And those that would look at these verses, these seven verses that I've made mention of this morning and say, whoa, the hindrances keep me. No. No, a thousand times no. They do not keep you back. They are there to push you forward. If you're a child of God, it's already there. It just needs to come out. And so may God give us Grace to ask. We have abounded in many of His graces. And if I could borrow a text out of context from the Apostle Paul, let us abound in this grace also. Let's pray together.